0: Got your ears on is brought to you by Tactical Legion Nine. Hey, everybody! Welcome to this week's episode of Got Your Ears On. Guido here, along with Scoop, Yo. and Johnson. Guido, we're taking you back to two thousand and three, two thousand and four, with realignment talk. It's realignment talk, didn't we? I feel like we were talking about realignment not that long ago. Uh, I don't remember, but uh, yeah. Uh, so something happened in the last two weeks, and let me just start off by saying that uh, you know we've we will readily admit, and I think most WVU fans will readily admit, none of us have ever been big Big 12 fans. Like we've never been like, ah, oh, we're in the Big 12. Uh, yeah, that is correct. I think that when, you know, the Big East was falling apart and, uh, you know, football's a moneymaker and we had to find a place to go, we were happy that we got on a good life preserver with the Big 12 and it was a place to be. Um, unfortunately, at the time, we didn't realize that it was a sinking ship and... Uh, And here we are with Texas and Oklahoma, who have apparently for about a year, six months or a year, been, you know, through back channels, uh, working to get out of the Big 12. And now they have officially, as of Friday, signed and left, and they're going to the SEC and... uh, (laughs) And again, we'll we'll get into it because there's a lot to unpack here, folks. But apparently it's a couple of years, but it's gonna be in the next two years. I mean, it'll happen anyways.
1: Guido, it's as if you're you're familiar with the game Among Us. Yes. It's yes. as if the Big Twelve spaceship was flying through the air, and Texas and OU were the imposters. Bob Bolsby <laughs> was trying to say they were looking a little sus. And they went ahead and sabotaged the entire conference spaceship, and now we're all trying to figure out what we're doing.
0: So let me ask you this, Scoot. I, I just want to start off. Like, let's, start, let's start with it. Before we talk about what's happening with WVU, let's talk about the Big 12 and the train wreck that it is. So Big 12 Media Day. Is the first media day of any of the Power Five conferences. It was two weeks ago. Nobody really cares because it's mid-July and people really aren't paying attention. It was this it was like the same day as the Major League Baseball All-Star game. It was weird. But, anyways, Bob Bowlesby gets up in his in his press conference and, and he pretty much says that realignment's dead. Nobody's, you know, because of the way TV is now, nobody's ever going to realign. Everybody's staying where they are. Nothing's going to happen with realignment. Fast forward like two days later, and here's Texas and Oklahoma, you know, leaving the league. Is that Bob Bowlesby being completely unaware of what's happening in his league? Or is that the fact that he was trying to get Texas and Oklahoma to be scared and not leave?
2: I think part of it is um, some naivete. It's a fancy word. Uh, I think he was uh, somewhat oblivious to to what was going on um and maybe uh i don't want to say the word is i don't want to say lazy he wasn't lazy i think he was um i'm too comfortable maybe is what i'm looking at i think he thought listen we're in a pretty good shape we've got a tv contract that runs out what 2025 Um, you know, we've got Oklahoma and Texas. They're very powerful and and well-known brands. Uh, we're, we're a pretty strong league. You know, we're called the big 12 yet. We have 10 teams, which that part doesn't make any sense. But, um, I I think he was, I don't want to say head in the sand, but I think he just was maybe almost too confident in, in thinking that nothing wrong could happen. Uh, I don't know that he was really trying to like. I don't know that he knew any of this was going on and trying to like talk them into like, Hey, you guys need to stay kind of stuff. But I, I think he just, I think he was oblivious to it. We I think
1: he got totally outmaneuvered. I mean, come on! You're the commissioner. You got to have your right. E- even if this is hard to believe and you don't really see it coming, I think you've constantly got to have your finger on the pulse. And I think he got totally outmaneuvered.
0: Yeah, I think he was. I think he got blindsided. I don't think he had any idea yeah, that this was either. happening. Me either. And I think he looks like a, he looks like he looks like a fool. And then I think he made himself look even more like a fool when a few days later he starts blaming ESPN for this and he sends out that cease and desist. And- yeah, I think he
1: certainly then was like, "If I'm going down, then we're all." It was it very. It felt very like, you know, lashing back out. I mean, I'm sure that he's not wrong. I mean, it's a very believable thing that we've now pieced together, you know, kind of prompting the AAC to come in and get 3 to 5 teams, maybe all 8 teams. But but I mean, it seems like he's then just starts throwing throwing fists
2: everywhere. What what concerns me, Guido, is the um, like you you alluded to, right? They the, uh, Oklahoma and Texas said that they're going to abide by the agreement and they'll leave. You know, they're going to adhere to the agreement and leave by twenty twenty five. We all know that they're probably not going to abide by that agreement. Sure. That, indeed, they'll pay the payout, or the buyout. I should say not payout, or but the buyout. Or negotiated or something. Yeah, yeah right. Whatever. Uh, right. And right now they're saying that that could be roughly $150 million from the two teams to the rest of the conference. Right. However, if the Big 12 falls apart or a team or two leaves in the meantime, then they're off the hook.
1: Yeah, it excuses them from that.
2: And so it's kind of uh, for me, and I'm going to say this from my point of view, I don't want to wait around for money that could possibly happen because I think if we wait around to try to keep this big 12 together for the sake of getting money and possibly, I don't know, uh, trying to add teams who's to say that uh, Oklahoma State and Iowa State don't jump and go to the Big Ten and leave us high and dry, then yeah, we're sure. not getting that cash. Yeah, like,
1: that's obviously so, hanging out there. But I think, I, I think that's the wild card here because there's also language, Guido. You're probably going to get to that. But in those TV contracts, there's already language in there that if membership shifts or changes dramatically, they're at liberty to change those payouts anyway. So I think – to me, it's sort of like a chicken and the egg thing because obviously right. we don't want to stay here because you've just taken the two marquee names out, and obviously that's going to change the the marketing power and the payouts across the board. But how much, I guess? I mean, I would say it's extremely significant. Even if you patch back in, you know, we, we're we now hearing all this speculation about rating the AAC before they rate us and pulling in like a UCF and Houston and some of these other teams. But you're not going to cobble together. Even if you cobble together – four six more teams i don't know say you know whatever the number is i don't think you're replacing anywhere near uh, you know you're not even getting close you're get, you're going to get a fraction of the value that just left your
2: conference oh, i would so, argue those four or six teams don't add up to the ones that are left in the conference yeah like, right i, I agree that. yeah.
1: yeah that's Absolutely. what i that's what i'm saying so i think i think bob bolsby is presenting it as hey we're going to be here through 2025 because we're abiding by these contracts i think any practical person like you know this conversation we're having you know that completely changes the whole thing because they're not going to come back to you with the same value
0: yeah and it, and it, and i think everybody knows including bob Bolsby even though he's saying it that that's not going to happen like so, there's a shift somewhere and it's just a matter of where do all of these teams fall i think what's different johnson for this time in conference realignment than what it was you know, 12 years ago, right? Is that what it is now? 10 years ago? I don't even remember. What year was it? Well, I mean, 2005, I think, is the first year that those teams
1: started playing in the ACC, if you're talking about, you know, like the Pitts, yeah, Boston, right. yeah. you know,
0: Boston College. Yeah, Boston College. I think the thing that's different now is – it's it's not about see back then that it was about for ESPN and for all of the major networks it was about cable box subscriptions it was about people who were buying cable boxes and putting cable boxes in their houses and that's who they cared about then and that's what was going to pay the bills that doesn't that's out the door now like that doesn't matter so i think where west virginia because that's what we we're podcast about where west virginia is sitting in a good position here compared to some of the other big 12 schools is west virginia from a media pool it does better than all those big 12 schools. So when you look at subscriptions, when you look at like, you know, I mean, Johnson and I, and Scooty too, like we're the dopes who sign up for ESPN Plus And like, when we follow all the West Virginia stuff, when you start looking at that stuff, it puts WVU in a better situation, you know, than some of these other schools. That's why, you know, everybody who's freaked out about WVU going to the AAC and having to play East Carolina every year, uh, I think it's kind of unfounded because WVU is too big of a commodity for these networks for them to go and play and to lose that, you know, those subscriptions. And I think that's where it all falls different this time. Well, the only thing
1: I would counter to that, and I I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but I think that the the difference to me is this feeling of this – this growing conversation, you you know, ever since that happened, Guido, so you're, you know, you're referencing kind of like, what do we call in that realignment one or something, you know, we'll call this real. Yeah. V one or something back in V one, we were constantly talking about the power five and five, you know, and even going to super conferences of 16 teams and things like that. But, and, and so we were always thinking of that many slots at the table. And I, I think what's changed this time is this now, like, Uh, We haven't really talked about it on Twitter a whole lot because we've been sort of like, hey, get us in the ACC and stuff like that. You know, that chatter is going on. But I feel like there's this, this undercurrent of the difference being the goalposts have now moved. And it's not... 64 or 65 teams in the mix or whatever it's it's possibly like 48 teams in the mix or something and and that's where my anxiety kicks up because where does WVU fall in that I still think they're a super powerful brand I think you know it's a shame they're not already in an eastern conference I, I think they do command a big fan base that follows them all over the place you know WVU used to be known for almost getting into bowl games simply because mm-hmm those entities knew that WVU would bring such a following and spend a lot of money and sell out stadiums. So I think that still is in their favor. But to me, I think this, this weird undercurrent of talk, like maybe the sec and ACC team up in a super conference. And then there's like tiered, tiered portions of the NCAA, you know, and what tier do you fall in and stuff like that? I think that's where my anxiety rises differently from the way it did in, you know, say 2004 or something.
0: I'm just saying I think that West Virginia, unlike the last time we went through this as a school, I think West Virginia is in a much better position now to be put or to move or to be taken by the ACC. You know, one, it's not about television market anymore. Like, Pitt's not going to complain, oh, we're going to lose TV screens because of WVU. That's that's not going to be a problem like it was i mean i don't think acad- i know in the past it's been things like academics like for me academics acc shouldn't say anything about academics i mean considering our students do their actual school work where UNC's students don't do their actual <laughs> schoolwork, so we could talk about that a little bit yeah, but and like- i think
1: that's always like uh it seems so foolish to me in a in a Obviously, money-driven, millions, almost billions of dollars-driven conversation that we would, when it comes to us, we'd start
0: to talk about academics. That seems like such a such a false narrative. And I think the last thing, and probably the most important thing, if I were the ACC right now, is I would want to add some big names. I would tell Notre Dame they gotta play or get out for everything. I would let WVU in, or maybe look. I mean, Cincinnati's an okay program, but like find another. You know, maybe even a kansas or you know an iowa state one of those you know more eastern of the big 12 schools if you could say that because just for the fact that acc's got to watch their back because the sec's not done i'd I'd rather see us
2: pick up uh like if we go acc i'd rather see like a central florida to be honest with you go to the acc with us than a cincinnati or a Iowa State myself, but I...
0: I think the bigger fact is, is the ACC's got to watch their back because the SEC is going to come after Florida State and Clemson. If they got Texas and OU, and, and like anybody can say what they want. Everybody can say, well, SEC was like, oh, well, we didn't reach out. They contacted us and blah. The SEC it, it, from day one has been about complete and total domination of college football, but college athletics. And the SEC is I I believe, and this is conspiracy talk here, Scooty. You might like that. This is a- SEC is trying to get out of the NCAA. The SEC wants to be their own thing. You know, they throw enough barbs and and Mark Emmert's. You know, I don't even know where Mark Emmert is. He's hiding somewhere. He's in a shack in the middle of Indiana,
2: Indiana right now. Like, I think that that talk is way down the road. If that were to be a thing, I don't know that that's imminent. What's way down the road to you, then? At least 10 years. At least 10 years. At least 10 years. 10 years ain't that far, Scooty. 10 years isn't that far. I don't see that happening. Um, What I do think, and I've read a little bit, is that the Florida State-Clemson, I think part of the reason why some of these other SEC schools went along with it was they're not in Texas, so they're not Texas A&M, who even even though they did vote to accept – Texas and Oklahoma. I had heard that those other schools like South Carolina and Florida might have voted no had somebody said, let's bring in Florida state and Clemson. But I mean, that's all again hearsay and we're not in these meetings and rooms and, and all that.
1: But back to what you were talking about with the ACC, my skepticism isn't from previous. I mean, it is a bit from previous history, but I think right now, Guido, you pointed me to that Pete Thamel article that we can link in. I mean, it's about a week old now when this whole discussion got started, but it really started to detail some of the points that I was already worried about. One, I didn't realize how bad the ACC's television contract is with ESPN. It's really bad. It's bad. Each one of those schools gets anywhere from like five to 10 million less than what a big 12 school would get right now. So what WVU is raking in each year and they're locked into that through 2036. So to me, that's such a big barrier for them to be motivated to take on another mouth to feed. And I think that's the only way I would see them expanding is if they could get Notre Dame in the mix. And I listened to uh, Mike Casasa recently on his podcast, and he made a good point about everything. Now it's certainly hit the pause button. I think all this chaos has hit the pause on the 12-team playoff. But when that does move to a 12-team playoff, there's a an interesting way that Notre Dame um, fits in as, like in any given year, they would really only be able to be about the fifth-placed you know, fifth seeded team, maybe sixth seeded team, because they're not in a conference and you're going to load that bracket in with the conference champions first. And I thought that was interesting and maybe a possible, you know, who knows, maybe not a big leverage point, but maybe a point of attack for the ACC to say, hey, get in here, get in a conference. They obviously bring a huge amount of money. And then I think then maybe the conference is in a position to say, okay, now we definitely have, more money to split around. It's not going to hurt us as much to bring another mouth to, to feed at the table. And and a, and a team like WVU maybe gets in because now there's more. You know, it, it's not it's not a deficit for them right now. I can't see them expanding and bringing WVU in to split this even more ways when it's not really super attractive to them. To they're not happy with it to begin with. Guido,
0: I think the the challenge is. I think if Notre, I think WVU had a, would have a great chance if they could pair themselves with Notre Dame. I think that the problem is is that Notre Dame's, like, they've been independent forever. And, like, I don't think they yeah, ever they have
1: that. I don't think they have a big motivation to not be independent when they have NBC in their pocket the way they do. To me, I don't see why they would do that. So that's what I'm saying. Maybe there's a tiny leverage there with the college football playoff. But I guess I say all of that to say... I'm preparing myself, Guido, for a revamped Big 12 that WVU plays in with more of these teams from the AAC that we're seeing. Because, for one thing, I don't see any of this moving quickly. Like, I can see us at least playing a couple seasons in some revamped conference and then hopefully jumping into something that's that's bigger and better because I I, you know people have speculated maybe the Pac-12 goes after or reaches out to Oklahoma State I think that all you know maybe the big with Kansas and Iowa State those things all make sense to me but the Pac-12 also isn't in the best way right now either with their TV contract and, and the way their payouts work for their schools. So to me, I just find it it it's some more. Uh, I was telling Scoot kind of when this all started. I feel like we need more chaos. You know, I feel like we need more. Right uh, we need, we need like, you know, more, uh, stuff to gum up the gears here for, for movement for WVU to hit, hit one of these conferences. I think if this is the only move and things say status quo, I'm not sure these conferences are motivated enough to just hurry up and add more teams and split these payouts. I I hope I'm wrong, but that's the cynical side right now. Uh,
2: For me, worst case scenario would be, uh, ACC looks to add somebody and they pick up Cincinnati and don't Pick us up I don't want to see Us somehow I, just, I get can't imagine left. they do that like, I wouldn't I, think so either but Listen I, I didn't think Syracuse Would ever be in the ACC I didn't think uh, Boston College when they went to the ACC Would ever be in the ACC because they were so Outside the, the, the Typical regional footprint So I, I think that That kind of changed my Mind as to how things go And once you know uh conferences started taking these teams outside of their areas it's i think opened up everything for me and
1: guido one other thing just before we leave that i guess early you know i am looking at a tweet i had bookmarked from july 23rd where Stuart mandel had said that he referenced um at the Big 12 leadership meetings, apparently, at least in discussion, it was talked about maybe approaching the, the Pac-12 about like a merger of a merger of teams and making like a 20, 20 plus odd team conference. I guess. What what do you guys think about something like that? If that were to happen?
2: I
0: just would hate. Oh, like how, It
1: like, pulls us even you, farther west. Further away. Yeah, right. Like, do we want to go and I play think maybe U? they I mean, do
2: that, but we step out. I don't I don't see us going along i don't i, mean, I, I just think, think from a.
1: I bring it up because i think you've already taxed the fan base a lot on on you know watching you know what was the cactus bowl game that one night we stayed up to like three in the morning finishing that out you know it feels like we're part of that like pack 12 after right. dark twitter hashtag you know that's fine <laughs> when i'm bored and it's one in the morning and i'm just you know watching some football but i wouldn't want that to start to be a, a regular part of my of my viewing
0: and they don't want it either. Like, you know, Oregon doesn't want to come and play in Morgantown a one o'clock game. Yeah, on I, I'd be surprised. Yeah.
2: And then it's another series of forced rivalries, right? Oh, we gotta watch that big time Arizona State WVU rival. Like it's not a rivalry. But, It'll scoot, never I be a rivalry. I think it was
1: this article and I need to refresh myself, but I think it was this article that said, you know, maybe the like don't, he was just saying like, don't, don't count anything out. Maybe they get creative. They have neutral site games where the time zones are like, you know, central somewhere. I mean, it was really off in left field, but apparently it was, it was floated out there at, at like in big 12 discussion.
0: So let me, I'm gonna throw, and I want to throw an, and I know how I feel about this and I don't feel the way I'm going to make it sound, but let me just throw this idea out, Scoot. So I want to hear your opinion on it. So let's just say, it is all a mess, and it all does fall apart, and we end up in the AAC, right? And we're in there with Temple and, you know, what is it, Central Florida and, and Tulane and Navy. We're, by far, probably the best program in that. So now we're in a conference where we're winning championships every year. Does that change your perspective on this? Would you rather play against No, whatever, I, I'm going to say no. Temple?
2: Because, I'm going to say no because look at Central Florida. Central Florida went, went undefeated and they had to declare themselves the national champion because they didn't get invited to the college football playoff. That's That would become reality for us is that, that we be. could end up going undefeated year in and year out and most likely not get an invite to the college football playoff even if it is expanded because we're not going to be in – quote-unquote a power conference any longer we're going to be in a conference that we should dominate and should be top two top three every year year in and year out uh yeah and i think it becomes really
1: hard to do that scoot i mean we're making the assumption that we can like right now neil brown is killing it on the recruiting trail and to me I think it starts to undercut a lot of that work because how do you get guys right. excited to play and, the teams we'd be playing?
0: When, and even worse, when, when our
1: neighbors can say come to the ACC, for example.
2: Even worse, right. what if we don't? What if we don't do well in that conference?
1: Yeah, that's what I'm you saying. Don't, like we're, we're making the assumption, right. but What if you hit a, a bad you patch don't do well then, in that conference? Yeah. It
2: doesn't set you back a year or two. It sets you back five, and it costs coaches jobs because you know your the expectations from the fan base is going to be listen if we're in the AAC we better be AAC champions year in and year out that's sure. going to be the expectation yeah, right if you go 6 and 6 yeah and you're not you're not sticking around.
0: Well, let me put it in perspective a little bit, though. And I, this is where I, I was all freaked out and I was worried. And I was like, oh, we're going to end up in the AAC or we're going to be Conference USA football foes against Marshall. Like, I was like, this is like worst case scenario. Yeah, well, it sends you I, there, doesn't it? I mean, it, it sends yeah, because you. Because I'm a West Virginia yeah. fan. Like, we're WVU fans. That's what we yeah, do. Yeah, we're you wired know? I mean, that way. Yeah. Yeah. But then, I, so I started diving more. And, and here's the thing. At the end of the day, and I don't care what anybody says, it's about money. Like this is all about money. And and it's and it's actually kind of it's 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 actually kind of uh funny. I'll I'll use that phrase. It's kind of funny. It's kind of apropos that this happened, you know, 15 days after name and likeness goes into place as well because You know, for years, all of these college institutions have been saying, well, you know, these students, they don't need to be paid because they're make they're getting a a free education. And it's not about money. It's about playing and getting your education. And then you have Texas and Oklahoma leave the Big 12. And it's strictly 100 percent about money. Like it's not about anything else. It's about money. And so I think it's funny that all of that happens. But. If you talk about money and and college athletics, WVU is 40th ranked, 40th in athletic revenue. So in the in the of all of the D1 schools, they are the 40th. So that puts us in a good place. I mean, we're above schools in the ACC like North Carolina, Georgia Tech. You know, there are schools that we sit, uh, we are uh, above. Virginia Tech. So there are schools that we have a better revenue generation than they do. And I think for us, that puts us in a nice position to be able to get into the ACC. Um, Or, and I'm going to say this, guys, I don't necessarily think the SEC is done. And I think the SEC will gladly go to 20 if they could find the right two more teams and I I mean I don't think it would be fun for us. Like I don't really want to go to the SEC just because I think it's we would become the Mississippi state of the SEC like it would be, you know, five and five seasons, <laughs> five and you know five win seasons forever. Um but I'm I'm just saying I think that we're Power 5 or whatever it's going to end up being, Power 4 uh when this is all done. Well, I certainly hope you're right and
1: I I I'm with you. I mean, I have been arguing on Twitter that I find it hard to believe we'd be left out as well. I think it's silly that we haven't been in the ACC to begin with for decades now, but I, I guess I'm just wondering if it's one of those things where we finally get into the ACC and then we walk in the front door and we realize like Clemson and Florida state aren't there anymore. You know, that that's the odd thing to me that but I'm would a, that.
0: I don't, but I see. I, and for me, Johnson though, I don't think that's a bad thing. Like I would say, okay, so say, say that the the SEC poaches Clemson and Florida State and WVU gets added in and maybe Cincinnati gets added in I still think for us that's a good time like I think we'll oh, enjoy yeah, playing agree. Syracuse and Pitt and I yeah, think we, and it's a good time for yeah, us. And
1: I'm not saying it's not. I just don't want anything to be watered down. Like I want to, I want to join a conference at full strength. I want to be a part of that. I want to be in the mix with you know being able to play powerhouse teams. i I'll,
2: I'll say this. I mean, it's if for some reason somehow the SEC is somehow we ended up you know maybe Shane Lyons with his. Uh, Alabama background somehow has uh, an in to get us an, an additional spot in the SEC. I'll take that as well. I'll play the I, – I, as a fan – you're telling me that we have a chance to see, like, an LSU or a Georgia oh, yeah. or I mean, a you'd be crazy
1: Yeah, you'd be crazy I'd not to like that. I'd take that
2: in a heartbeat, sure. and I can find a rival out of those teams pretty quick. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I guess— and Will we not be as dominant? Sure. We're not looking to—we We would have a tough time. We'd have to—kind of like the Big 12— It'd have to be kind of a perfect storm of some yeah, good but recruiting, I mean, good look, scheduling.
1: As dominant, I mean, we've averaged seven and five since twenty twelve. I mean, we're not dominating anybody. Okay, well, that's Guys, what I'm saying. Like, like, we, look, let's, we, you know, we kind of get stuck in Pat White, Steve Slayton, you know, good old days land. But I, I'm just, I just want us to land somewhere where I can root again for you know i can put my heart back in it and not have to act like i'm excited to play texas tech and these teams i right. have i don't give two craps about right and i i'd like that and i'd also like to be a part of a like, if you do well here, you're guaranteed to be in the new playoff conversation. That That's what I... I don't want another, like, relegated to a place where, yeah, you did great, but only one of your wins is really a quality...
0: You know what I mean? I don't want that again. We, we've lived that before. And we're talking strictly football here, and we forget, too, that for the ACC, we have a lot to bring to the table with basketball as well, especially with now that... You know, Huggins would actually be probably the big-name coach in the ACC at this point if we went in. So I, I I, think that WVU has a lot to bring to the table. I just don't know. I'm with you, Johnson, on the fact that I don't know what the timeline for this is. Like, I don't think it's going to move fast. Yeah,
1: I feel like that's the wild card.
0: Yeah, I feel like – I mean, I, would, I, I think we would be lucky if we knew what was happening a year from today. Like, if a year from today we could say, hey, we're going to this conference – that would be amazing. I think a year from today we're going to be like, well, Texas is leaving and we're getting Houston and we're getting whoever, and we're going to see what happens with the Big 12 for another two years. And and I think that money plays a factor in that with the buyouts. And, I mean, you know, and like you said, Twitter has just been crazy, Johnson. I mean, there's been a, a, a as you say, a slew of questionable tweets yes. over the past few it weeks. feels like it. I mean, there are people out there that say that uh, – that Houston and UCF and Memphis isn't so bad. Like Scooty, how do you feel about that? <sighs> That's a big sigh.
2: So it's again, bad. Houston, I don't, I, I don't like Houston in anything. Like I, I, I'll be honest, and this is uh, my northeast bias. Okay, I get that uh, what, Phi Slamma Jamma was there, Clyde Drexler, Hakeem Elijah, one. Okay, I get that. But other than that, I didn't know that they were a college when I was in high school. Like I mean, I. Like they didn't play on the big stage. So Houston does not get me excited. Memphis, maybe a little bit in basketball. They've got Penny Hardaway. Football, it does nothing for me. And uh, who is the third one that you mentioned? Memphis, uh, UCF. UCF. UCF uh, basketball wise had nothing but taco fall. That was the only reason why you would ever want to watch their games. Cause he is a seven foot six, uh, yeah. Right. String bean of Major a basketball nature. player. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And right. then, uh, football they had, when they had Scott Frost coaching, they were uh, fairly dominant. He did a good job. I mean, their football is good, but who are they playing?
0: I just feel like those, again, those three schools,
2: are what like,
1: are we doing?
0: <laughs> what are we doing? Like, why
2: are
1: yeah, we even talking like Scoot, you already know the answer? We don't care. We already have Kansas State, Texas Tech. I mean we already uh, Oklahoma state's I mean, like already... the Myrtle beach of college foot. Like I don't care about any of these teams. They're all terrible teams. They no one, I mean like the fans at their stadium barely show up. They probably like show up and like watch TikTok the whole time. Cause they are not even interested. I mean, what we need people, we need to show up and play against teams in a conference that we actually care about again. And, and I'm just praying that we get a little bit more. We just need a little bit more craziness to motivate these conferences to invite us and and get us in. We had some speculation about like Penn state and Rutgers and, and Maryland being happy to have a WVU around because that would give them a natural rivalry again. You know, I think, I think people want that. It's just, you know, will that matter? I mean that I've been reading a lot of Twitter lately about, Oh, this would be so great for the ACC because of all these natural rivalries and stuff. And you know, there's people at the ACC reading this, like, that's cute. None of this matter. Like it's completely irrelevant. No one cares about that. They just care about can we get uh, a more valuable contract and then get these payouts to our member schools even higher. And that's what's going to matter. And that's why I think it's going to be it, it's going to be so hard to read how quickly this moves and what exactly moves the needle that that motivates them to get a team like WVU in. It's not going to be. You know, when you start talking about UCF and Houston and Memphis and these other teams, yeah, they're fine. That's fine. That they're that's fine. I'm not gonna berate those schools, but they don't move the needle in a way that would that would make anything valuable for WBU. And it scares me that if we were kind of lumped into that pile, then Guido, we read some articles. What the payouts are like six, seven million dollars. You know, you're talking you're not talking like even hardly a fraction of, of what we enjoy right now. So that's scary to me.
0: I think, and on top of everything else, Shane Lyons gets mentioned uh, by Pete Thamel as a possible replacement AD at Mizzou, which I think is far-fetched and I'm not too concerned about. Um, But then you start thinking, well, you know, and I think Shane Lyons is the right person for the job right now. Like, I'm very confident in where we are and what Shane Lyons has done and where he could probably get us, as opposed to you know, where we got put by, you know, Oliver Luck in, you know, the last go around on this.
1: Yeah. And I think that's that is one thing to take some comfort in. Right. As we have Dr. Gee and Shane Lyons. I mean, they, you'd be hard pressed to find, you know, people that are as connected as they are uh, and people kind of guiding the the process right now. So that's kind of where I'm putting my confidence and I'm hoping we we see the benefit of that.
0: And I also think that you've got to remember that WVU has some good connections right now in the ACC with, you know, Clemens and a few other people where they can help us make that make that connection. I am I am sure that the moment this happened, that Shane Lyons's first call, you know, was to, you know, somebody connected with the ACC saying, hey, you know, we're interested if you want to go out sometime. Like we we'd be lo- we'd love to go out and ha- hang and have a beer. <laughs> right. You know, give us a give us a buzz. Uh, hope hope you guys are doing well. Uh, it was great seeing you on TV last week. You know, I think that's the kind of stuff that has to be happening. Well, and right I
1: think now. you're already seeing that on some of WVU's social media. They put a really nice tweet out last week about how they're an R1 research institution, and you know that's like. That's that like, was 100% pointed
0: yeah, right I mean, at a hundred percent point of like, when like you, there's uh, no way that was yeah that's, that's that like when
1: you're taking pictures on Instagram because you know like this girl <laughs> that you're trying to you know ask out is gonna see them and stuff that's what that totally feels like to me
0: I I just it's gonna be an interesting you know 12 18 months of, of, of seeing what happens here and I think the bad part about all of this is is I think that Neil Brown And the WVU football team were doing so good at recruiting, and this is one of those situations where I think it really can hurt, you know, some of those soft commits that you already have, some of those four stars that have already said we're coming to you, and now you've got schools, I'm sure, like a lot of these schools, the first call to some of these players are, hey, did you hear? WVU's in the Big 12, and the Big 12's falling apart. Yeah. You know, that's, that's gotta be happening
1: in the background in some cases, but credit to them. It doesn't seem to be slowing them down any right now. I mean, they're putting together, I think we're up to like a 23rd nationally ranked class right now, Guido. I think it was maybe second in the conference. So I, you can't feel any better about that. Hopefully it doesn't undercut any of that work that they're doing.
0: And and I think it's also great, you know, the school has, you know, done well. I mean, the, the, and, and this is another thing that, again, I think will help us with conference realignment. Virginia Tech games sold out, like, quickly, right. very, very quickly yep. uh, when the tickets went on, sa- on sale. You know, um, so I think that we're in a good position, Scooty. I just were, I just, you know, the WVU-ness in me gets nervous, <laughs> gets the agita.
2: You know, I got, I'm got i a little, we <laughs> I want answers. We just need, we need, uh, we need it to play out a little bit Um I think what what's hurt us is that we see all this information coming so fast, and the information probably was there. It's just a matter of somebody actually officially saying it. Um, that's kind of caught us all off guard, and I think that's why we're thinking, "Oh crap!" Well, wait a minute. Let's uh, let's try to find something for us then, real quick. Yeah. And I don't. It's not that fast, like you guys are saying. Uh, I'd like to think we'd have a better idea within six months as to what what path we're pursuing. I'd, I'd like to think that some leaks would get out at that point, but we'll see. I don't, I don't, um, yeah, I just don't want to get left. Like UConn got left. That's uh, and I, I say that having uh family in Connecticut, I, I know that UConn is still reeling from the fact that they got left in the AAC. Now they had some issues with their football program, notwithstanding, but, uh, it wasn't until recently where they decided to go back to the big East and leave football independent that they've actually, the fans are actually like excited again for basketball. And that was the big driving force at-, at UConn was basketball in the first place. Nobody was getting excited to watch UConn play, uh, SMU or, uh, right. you know, schools. Well, in the and AAC. I think that's,
0: I think that's WVUs. And, and for me as a fan, that's my biggest fear is to end up like UConn, Sure. Like, you know, I mean, I know the institution is fine and survives, but the programs have been hit yeah, hard. Sure.
2: Well, and if you remember, we uh, at the time of the last realignment, uh, there was some worry amongst WVU fans that uh, when Louisville got asked to go to the ACC, that UConn would probably go with them and leave WVU kind of out, out in the cold before we had found the Big Twelve. So there was some worry as to whether or not. Um, WVU would, would actually be chosen over UConn, but that was also based on TV markets and things of that sort. And they were still trying to nail down a footprint in the New York city, Boston area. So, um,
0: well, it was all about TV markets and all of that. And right. it's not about that anymore. Right. You know, the technology has made it. So we'll just have to see Not about that anymore. Yeah. Well guys, uh, we've got a lot of stuff happening. Uh, Josh Witt is going to be on our next segment, so don't go anywhere. We'll be, uh, we'll be talking to him about, uh, about wvu basketball and uh, some nba stuff so uh and check his show out too because we're on his show this week guys so that was that was a good time yeah. and we're glad that we got to be on his show um but yeah so don't go anywhere we'll be back with josh witt from unreasonable doubt a podcast about wvu basketball and uh, talk to him right after this you're listening to got your ears on Vortec Knives is a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in high-quality steel, fast-opening, everyday-carrying knives. If you go to vortechknives.com today and use the code G-Y-E-O, you get a 25% discount on your entire order. That's Vortek, Knives.com, a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in fast-opening, high-quality, everyday-carry knives. Vortech Knives. All right, everybody, welcome back to Got Your Ears On, uh, Guido, along with Scoot and Johnson. Don't forget, you can find us on the social medias. Look for us on Instagram, Twitter, all of those places at Got Your Ears. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search Got Your Ears On, guys. We're super excited to have our good friend and fellow podcast hoster Josh Witt from Unreasonable Doubt, a podcast about WVU basketball. Actually, I, I'm. I think in the current climate, Josh. We should really rename your podcast to "Reasonable Doubt." Like it just should be "Reasonable Doubt."
3: It's a lot in doubt right now, right, guys? It's kind of crazy.
2: It could it's, be also what did I used to call it? Like uh, un unscripted, unnecessary consequences or something. <laughs> yeah.
0: Unnecessary proposition. Yeah, that's uh, it's
2: what it could also be here before too long.
0: <laughs> it's uh, it's a little crazy right now, as we talked about in segment one with all the all the conference stuff. But Josh, I kind of wanted to get your take on. Uh, some basketball, some WVU basketball stuff, starting with Deuce. So Deuce was getting a lot of a lot of hype early, early on in the uh, in the draft. He was first round. He dropped. He, some people were saying he was going to pick 18th or 15th. I saw in one place. He ended up getting picked in the second round by the Knicks. Should he have stayed at WVU, Josh? Should he have done it his another year? No.
3: And here's why, um, in my opinion, one man's opinion. So how much do the key for the NBA draft in my lifetime as far as more certainty is the lottery section of the draft so being the first 14 15 picks um, that's a more known quantity the 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 guides and the mock drafts they're pretty close on those first 14 or 15 change of order or whatever. Once you get past that 16 to whatever, it really is a crapshoot. Somebody could reach for somebody in the first round. Somebody could fall to the second round. And guys, we saw, I mean, Jared Butler, I guess he could have came back for his fifth year. He was a second round guy, the guard from Illinois, like big 10 superstar falls to the second round, really good players. And so when deuce is projected in the late first round let's say he comes back another year let's see let's see he projects more middle of the first round he's yes that increases the chances of being a first round pick but you could still drop. There were guys in the second round that were mock draft and, and people had on their big boards of picking in the first round. So there's risk all the way around. Uh, I was excited for Deuce to be picked by the Knicks. It's a, it's a fit from a coaching style standpoint. Um, the, the rub is that Thibodeau doesn't like to play rookies. So that's something that'll be working against Deuce in his first season, but short answers, uh, Guido, I- I don't think he – I don't think you can judge where he got picked uh, late first round, early second round as determining, yes, he should have come back versus being in the draft.
0: Yeah, I was a little bummed that it was the Knicks, I have to be honest. Like, I think – well, and, you know, this might be more – you know, the Knicks were great when we were all kids. Like, back in the, you know, 80s and and early 90s, like, everybody loved the Patrick Ewing Nick days. But, like, I feel like the Knicks have been, like, a general management ownership team train wreck the past like dozen or so years. And so I kind of worry about the fact of like does somebody like Deuce just get lost in the jumping the G League, playing as a rookie, not playing, you know, and you see it now. I mean, and this is something else to talk about on draft day, Javon Carter now moving to his third team, kind of excited that he's going to Brooklyn because that's an amazing team. Kind of bummed he's going to Brooklyn because I don't think he's going to see the court
3: much. He he's a second round pick. Uh, Just like Deuce was, he's on his third team. Um, Free agency hasn't started, so you don't know who's going to fill, who Brooklyn's going to bring into the roster, for guards. And then once you know that, then that's who Javon Carter is competing against. Um, I mean, for me, guys, the rub. With him being on the nets, uh, and James Harden is a fantastic player. I don't like – teams that he's on. That's just something that that's me. And so him being on that team, it's really put me in the position for the first time in Carter's career of like rooting for Carter indifferent about how the nets do. And we'll be happy if they win, but not bummed if they lose because of that specific guy.
1: Yeah. And it makes me, it makes me wonder too, if, you know, he had Javon had seemed to have become such a fan favorite in Phoenix. And I, and I felt like, I mean, I don't know what you're what you're thinking, Josh, but like on that Phoenix roster, I continuously felt like Javon always had a chance to see the court. He always had like there were going to be minutes available for him now in the playoffs that didn't materialize. But I felt like with that roster, he could work into that. There was always a place for him. It, my first reaction with this Nets roster is I'm not really sure where the like how he works his way into that to, to see the court. I certainly hope so, and I think they probably are going to want his tenacity, I'm sure. And, I mean, injuries happen, who knows. But at first glance, it feels like the road just to see some significant minutes is a bit tougher in,
2: in it's, Brooklyn. It's odd to say that I, I think he had he stayed with the Grizzlies, he actually probably would have had a, a clearer path to, to playing time even though it didn't feel like that at the time. Um, and I'll be honest, when he got traded to Phoenix, I thought, Oh, the Phoenix suns, that's not really a great team. Yeah. He'll probably play, but they're not going to do all that. Well, well, I was wrong because they did really well. And as the season wore on and more so the playoffs, his playing time decreased more and more. Um, and I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily a statement on him. As more so, it's a statement on uh, the guys that they had Booker and and uh, Chris Paul being healthy and able to play. So that limited who actually saw the the floor. I think
3: the the key for both of them and what Carter can bank on, especially with the Nets, is his off the ball spot up shooting. I mean, the Nets, you've got two creators in Kyrie and Harden they need a guy to stand in the corner and make a three Javon Carter. Um, I'm taking this from somebody else's podcast. I believe he shot 40% uh, from the corner last year. And so that skill, if he can keep that up and that was the rub with Carter coming into the league is how is he gonna shoot the ball? And he had a rough first season with the Grizzlies and he's improved his three point shot. And so the other thing with the Nets, uh, load management is a big thing there, and so maybe that's where he gets his opportunities to get some minutes. And you know how hard Javon Carter works, and so that's always going to be a positive, no matter where he lands. I think there's a spot in the league if you can shoot the ball and you and you keep that defensive intensity. Uh, nobody would say that Javon Carter doesn't work hard, and so uh, if he can shoot the ball and you know he's a good work and a good teammate, I think he's going to find a spot whether it's Brooklyn or wherever in the league, I think that's how he stepped up. And I think that's going to be the key for Deuce as well, because he improved his three-point shot in his second year. And that's going to have to be a staple when you're in the league. That's what's important is finishing at the rim and getting threes. And it's interesting. I thought Deuce would have been great for Phoenix with his mid-range game, similar to Chris Paul. Uh, and maybe that's something that can stand out for the Knicks. Um so we'll see what happens, guys. It'll be interesting, but I do like him on the Eastern Coast, uh, Eastern Standard Time versus not catching Suns games <laughs> or being nobody cares about the West Coast.
2: That's that's a known fact. Known fact.
0: <laughs> Scrooge had to cut it off and shove it in the Pacific Ocean. That's He's right. Just done
2: with it. Rocky Mountains.
0: Well, oddly enough, this isn't an NBA. We don't talk NBA on this show. I, I, I you know, it's kind of strange. the WVU podcast here, uh, jo- Josh. Uh, how do you feel about this upcoming WVU basketball team this year are you are you excited are you are you uh you pumped and you think this is going to be a winning team
3: <sighs> there's a lot of questions Guido I am <laughs> always excited for basketball I'm nervous about this team that's not different than any other offseason the angle for being nervous this year is the amount of turnover that we have and that's just even if we're getting uh, Five star guys, and we—I think we got good guys coming in. We just got the final pickup this week—a sixteen-year-old. Yeah, how uh, crazy like, is you that? You know what? I'm just going to go to college now, which yeah. is totally awesome, and he'll enough, be redshirted. Um, but like a six-nine Doogie Howser, um <laughs> of basketball. Again, I'm dating myself, but like, um, so, but we've got seven new additions to the roster. If you redshirt some of those guys. On the flip side, we've got three fifth-year guys coming in, and we have a lot of guys that are seniors that are on the team. So it's not like this. There's a lot of change, but we've got like like 22, 23-year-old, like this is going to be a seasoned, experienced team Despite having all these changes, but my concern going into the season, regardless of who's there, is just this much turnaround. I mean, and this much, um, this many changes to the roster, you know, with any situation, everybody's got to get on the same page. It's great to see them come to the TBT in Charleston as a team. So from a, like an optics perspective, everybody jumping on a bus and being like a team that's awesome. That gives you comfort of like, they get along and stuff, but it's just, you know, we're incorporating a bunch of guys, some of which are, we're going to be asked to contribute to the success of this team. So I think the talent is there. It's just a lot of new faces. And I think
0: what's, what's really strange, you know, uh, we've talked about it on our show and you may have mentioned on yours is that uh, Huggins generally brings in these transfers and they've got a couple of years, two years, whatever they've Juco's, they've got a few years left of eligibility. We have a couple transfers this year that are going to be starters that are going to play right off the bat and not get that like that year of like Huggins teaching them whatever Huggins basketball thought is. And so, it's I think that's what makes it interesting this year. Where you got you got a guy like Malik Curry who's going to he's going to be running point for this team probably from game one, and we've never seen him like he's like
2: I mean other than watching ODU games, it's we don't know what he's like. This would be a good year for one of those European trips where you play. Uh, like uh, I don't know the Sons of Italy uh, team, or I don't know. You play a bunch of these like weird club teams. This would Sons be Sons of good...
0: Italy. That's like a bunch of old guys that play bocce, <sighs> oh, yeah, and then they come know. out just... and play some basketball. Right, like a team.
2: That's what we need. We need to play some old guys, but we need to play some of those teams just so they can get some feel for what to expect when they're playing against somebody else, not just themselves.
1: Yeah. And you know how those trips are. I swear a lot of the times the basketball is almost secondary. It's almost just traveling together, getting to know each other, spending time with each other. So I, you know, I, I feel the same way. And I think Josh hit it on the head. um, Some things we've talked about on some of our earlier podcasts that we were concerned about. It just feels like a whole lot of pieces come desperate pieces coming together to form this team. And you know, you're gonna get some you know, you're gonna get some early games before the Big Twelve grinder starts, but I mean, not a whole lot. You're gonna that's gonna have to gel relatively quick and then you're right into the Big Twelve season. So it's gonna be interesting. I mean, if anyone can do it I mean, look, hugs hugs will get it together, but it it feels like it's gonna be a challenge.
3: Right. And and it's not impossible, right, Johnson. I mean, you look at Arkansas, they have a ton of turnover and they went into deep into the tournament last year. Uh the fab five, I'm go, again, I'm dating myself, like five new freshmen, not their five star, like otherworldly some of those most of those guys went to the nba um but so it is possible and so a better example is the arkansas example because it was last year um it's just the it's it's a complete turnaround from what huggins mo has been in the past where he tried it uh early in his wvu career with matt humphrey from boston college the last time he took like a a senior grad transfer and then he kind of swore it off, and he haven't he hasn't done it until now. And then he got three of that type of guy. Um, so again, not knocking the guys that we have; it's just different for Huggins. And so we said, "Can anybody do it at Huggins?" I agree with that. He swore it off for like over ten years before he came back to it. So that's. Uh,
2: do you think he did that because he knew that he was potentially losing Taz, Sean McNeil? deuce and culver so you're losing a lot of that experienced those guys logged most of the minutes and he wasn't sure of what he was getting to come back so he probably thought in order to remain competitive not even not even like a top 15 but let's try to remain competitive because otherwise i'm going to be trotting out uh tash thweet and uh you know um uh, Kedrian johnson and some of these other you know un, not unproven but unproven young guys Seni enjai would have had to take a bigger role so i think that my thought is he did this this year because he thought i might lose the whole thing here you know minutes wise i need to just kind of restock the shelf real quick
1: yeah. And I think I think the maybe the counter argument to this, I mean, I know we or at least I do, you know, you kind of get tunnel vision just looking at what WVU is doing. But I mean, we sat and watched as soon as the offseason started the grind that was the transfer portal. And, you know, we talked at length on some shows about just I think it was Texas Tech, you know, was an example of. I feel like they almost lost their entire, you know, expected starting five, and then they pieced some things. I think some guys ended up staying, but at any rate, you know, I think every school could probably say they've lost at least one or multiple people to the transfer portal. So, you know, maybe it's a lot of people dealing with that same turnover, and different, you know, different teams also having to figure it out in a short amount of time. So, it's probably going to be an interesting season now that, and 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 it may be. An off season and a start of season thing that we see more of now with the way the the portal works to be
0: honest so so josh uh you know not to scare you but uh we decided on the show you know since we have been on your show a few times and, and you always have a nice game for us to play that uh scoot scoot was going to have a little game that he put together this week and it's a game that we've played before on the show one, one or two times It's a, it's a little game we like to call
2: pick your ears pick your ears josh Pick your ears. So, Scoot, exp- explain how this works, Scooty. It's kind of a would you rather, if you will. I'll I'll give you two options. Uh, this happens to be basketball themed, so I'll give you two options. You're gonna you're gonna choose which one you would rather have. Got it. Uh, are you ready? Yes. Okay, we got five of these. So the first one, who would you rather have on your team, Deuce McBride? Or Javon Carter. So
3: this is an easy game, huh? <laughs> wow. Um, who would I rather have on my team? Uh, Deuce McBride or Javon Carter? Um, I would say, offensively, with love and respect to Javon Carter, and he's improved this game in the NBA, I would go, if we're looking at WVU, I would go with Deuce McBride. Uh, with defense that's not as good as carters you're giving up that but the offense just so gifted in a sophomore year if he had stayed two more years it it would have even improved more i'm going with deuce mcbride
0: well that that follows scoots coaching mentality which is you got to score points to win a game that's right that's how scoot coaches that's
3: right you know that's
0: right. I I, I like that Scoot. That's a
2: good one. Okay. uh Moving Not on. Moving the only on. one playing? I mean, Johnson. You got. You want to weigh in on this, Johnson? Well,
1: I. So I would have went with the way of Josh because I think if you just encapsulate, you know, we might, we might want to let uh Javon's pro career bleed in here a little bit. But I think if we just encapsulate it to his time at WVU, I think I'm going to go with the score too. And then you have to sacrifice. You have to sacrifice some defense. But I, I was also such a fan of the way Deuce could take over a game offensively, I think I'd go that way too.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with you as well on that. I think I, I've got to go Deuce just because I think as much as Javon was fun to watch play, I think there were times and in games where Deuce was a little bit, you know, the offense just makes it a little bit more entertaining than, uh, than what Javon
2: uh, For me, I'm going Javon. Uh, Javon to me, not this is not a slight to Deuce, but Javon to me was more of a leader. He's more of a get-in-your-face-and-say-you-can-do-better kind of guy. He was, uh, hey, we've got uh, this kind of problem. We're down five. I'm going to rally the guys together here. We're going to talk about it during a foul or something. I think he's more that guy than Deuce was. Deuce was kind of, I just think it's difference in personality. Um, I, don't, I don't think that was Deuce's personality, but I think Javon is the guy I would choose. You can't go wrong either way, really. But All right, moving on. Uh, I like to talk about the sixth man. Uh, We've had a couple of good sixth men here at WVU. Uh, Josh, pick your ears. Jay Sean Page or Taz Sherman?
3: With love and respect to Taz Sherman, and he put together a great sixth man year last year, and it'll be interesting what role he'll have this year if he'll be coming off the bench or starting. But senior year, Jay Sean Page was really something uh sixth man very tough the super high jump shot like the the bring rain jump shot and just so tough and really a great part of that press virginia style i would go as of right now with Jay page.
1: Yeah. Scoot. I'm going to go with Josh too, because I think people forget just how much of a microwave guy. Jay Sean was too. Like you could, you could insert him if you were having a lull and he was like instant offense off the bench. I, I love Jay Sean. Page.
2: Uh, that's that. So I was thinking, uh, I knew that Johnson would go Jay Sean page. Johnson is a big time Jay Sean page fan he has never declared that but anytime he talks about jay sean page he gets this big like uh twinkle <laughs> in his eye and so i knew he would go that way why wouldn't you though why wouldn't you yeah, There's come on. Wrong with
3: that. that's right uh guido
0: yeah i think i'd have to go jay sean page i mean we'll see what happens this year for taz but i think that jay sean page just that that his said second year or senior year or whatever it was because he was only there two years right he only played
2: two years at wvu I think that was, yeah, you're right. He was a standout. I would go Taz Sherman. And the reason why I would do that is because I think that Taz Sherman is maybe a little bit more of a versatile scorer. Uh, He's going to be able to hit the jump shot, but he's also going to get to the rim and he likes to attack the basket some. Whereas I felt Jay Sean at times was a little bit more of just a shooter. So I'm going uh, Tash Sherman.
1: I feel like you're just trying to be contrary well, in this whole uh, game we're what playing.
2: what makes uh, radio go. So that's what we're doing. <laughs> um, no bad answers. No bad answers. <laughs> yeah, All that's the respect for the, the guys yeah. name you don't say. That's okay, next uh, question here. Sean McNeil, who is a Josh favorite, I think, or Patrick Beeline?
3: Wow. Well, uh, Patrick Beeline did not have... A brand logo like Sean McNeil does and Sean McNeil uh, both could shoot the ball Patrick Beeline you thought he's better than what he did because he was taking crazy contested shots or in the shot clock hey Pat Beeline shoot it from 28 feet but I've got to give the edge to Sean McNeil in that it's they both have similar roles, but Sean McNeil starts, and Patrick Beeline didn't start for those for those teams. And a little bit of you know his last name's Beeline, so that's it's done. He doesn't have any control over that. I'm giving my edge to Sean McNeil.
1: Uh, skewed, I'm going to go uh, with a bit of nostalgia on this one. I think this one tugs at my heartstrings a little bit, so I'm going to go Pat Beeline just because I also felt while he was out there, not only could he shoot, but he also felt like uh he he added some like on the floor coaching and leadership while he was on there. Not that Sean doesn't, but I think just being the coach's son and being tied in like that, I always kind of felt like he he played that role a bit. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Pat Beeline.
0: I uh, I I'm gonna have to go. And and Josh, I'm I'm rumor is I've heard that this is, this is, this term is being retired. Uh, with the shot robot, like uh, I feel like that we're not allowed to say that anymore. Uh, no,
3: it's a free country, dude. I just uh, I think there a- he would not own that if you like hey shot robot he would actually turn his head the other way and keep walking and thus i feel like i for me need to retire that thing <laughs>
0: well, i thought there was some sort of cease and desist letter or something that that you got uh, that
3: may be coming but to get ahead of that i'm that's why i'm for yeah. me retiring that
0: as as much as i feel like patrick beeline was the you know buddy Bayheim before buddy Bayheim. I feel like Sean McNeil uh, just—he averaged, you know, what double digits last year. I don't think Beeline ever averaged double digits. I don't think he ever had, you know, uh, an average above like probably eight points. So I think that for me, I think Sean McNeil does just plays much more of an important role for the team than Patrick ever did.
2: I'm going to go Sean McNeil as well uh, because I don't know that there's been a player in a long time where I've felt as comfortable with that person shooting from anywhere within the the half court, like contested uncontested. He's got a little bit of a Jimmer for kind of feel for me where like, okay, you want to shoot from uh, part of the flying WV go right ahead, shoot from the, you know, like you want to like everybody else. You're like, what are they doing? Sean McNeil? I'm like, okay, he's probably gonna make that like, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, so I'm I'm a Sean McNeil guy. Patrick Beeline's a good player, but I, I still think that uh, Sean McNeil's the better shooter
3: for me. And Pat Beeline always wore a jersey like one size too big. <laughs> <laughs> and that might have been like a Beeline team kind of thing. It always just I, yeah. looked like they... Like all right, I'm give me the medium, it. and and then and then they get the large, and everybody <laughs> went one size up with the jersey. That's my only issue.
2: I feel like that's totally uh, accurate. I agree. Yeah. I agree.
3: Big jerseys.
2: <laughs> okay, now we're going to talk a little bit about the big men. All right, these guys, uh, two guys that have uh, received advice, whether it be good or bad, uh, Derek Culver or Sagaba Kanate Oh wow!
3: Wow. Oh, oh, Scoot. Okay. So this is definitely an offense versus defense thing because Derek Culver, not good at defense, very good at offense, better rebounder, I would argue, argue than Kanate. And yet Kanate, like a fine wine for me, his college career, not appreciating enough in the moment. And then as we get farther away from it and as West Virginia, hasn't had a guy like kanate. I've got to give the the in the well line argument. I'm going to give it to kanate because when it's like I think we were spoiled when he was here. I I'm the, I don't want to put that on anybody else. I was spoiled like, yeah, that's his job. That's what he does and he does it very well. And I don't know if we're ever going to have another guy like that. I think he's got the block for WVU in Two and a half seasons. Like, he didn't play a full third season, and he's got the block record for the university. I'm going to Kanate.
1: Yeah, I am too, Scoot, just because, and it feels like, as I'm saying it, it doesn't feel like the right pick, but just for me, like, Sags was must see TV. I mean, he was like, Oh, ESPN's you know like promos would have him two hand blocking that that dude from Kansas that will forever live in infamy as the guy that got two hand blocked on his dunk. I mean Sags was he was just must see TV, and I think for that um, you know it's a shame we didn't get more out of him. I think those teams would have went so much farther had he been a piece of that puzzle. Um, I, I'm gonna go with Sags.
0: Yeah, Scoot, I I think I'm SAGS, too, and and for a few reasons. I mean, one, I think the the Sting is a lot older and, like, you know, the pain's... Pain's gotten to heal over time a little bit, you know. And it was a, it was a family member that told Sags he should leave, so maybe that helped out a little bit as opposed to whatever. What's Johnson Miguel called? Him? Miguel Tejada, Tejada. yeah, the former, Miguel yeah Tejada. former Oakland Athletics former second shortstop. baseman.
2: That's how I yeah, remember. Right. Him. Miguel Tejada told he Colbert should have him to Leave. What in I mean, he the world? I mean, he
1: played in there. baseball for Oakland. What does yeah, he know? Like, he, what does he know?
0: Come on. Uh, and and uh, they both uh, and correct me. Sags went undrafted as well, right? So Derek went undrafted last week, and Sags went undrafted as well. Sags ended up. And playing G League for a little bit, we'll see what happens with Derek. But I'm going Sags, and I agree with you guys. Like just watching the defensive highlights, swatting the ball down was too much.
2: Well, I'm I am for sure going Sags because sophomore year Sags for me, and I I know Johnson and I've had this conversation off off air. He was must see TV. You watched WVU games to see how many two handed blocks. Sags Kanate was going to get. And it didn't seem like any moment was too big for him. He's two-hand blocking Visekahema or whatever that guy's name was. That was, I think that guy actually played for the Philadelphia Eagles. But uh, he's <laughs> – I
1: was kidding, Randy, he, uh, he.
2: Did you say Superfly Snuka? You no, know, Visekahema. <laughs> I think it was like a kick returner for the Eagles. I think Super he was, but yeah. But uh, whatever that uh, – what's that guy's name that played for Kansas? Uh, I don't know. The guy that two-handed blocking. You block said guy. it. You said it. Yeah. So he um, – like – that's Kansas, and he's going up two-hand blocking guys, and that was kind of Sags's big coming-out party to the nation. I feel like that that's getting uh, Scott Van Pelt to talk about him, Dickie V to talk about him. Uh, I don't know that Derek Culver ever had that kind of cult personality. Um, I do both think – I think that both of them had their careers end abruptly and awkwardly, um, and – again, maybe some bad advice. I know SAG's wanted to go into the NBA after his sophomore season, went and got evaluated, and somebody told him, hey, Sags, don't play by the basket. Go shoot three-pointers because that's your ticket into the NBA. And he started doing that, and and it didn't pay off. And then we got a knee injury, and things kind of unraveled from there.
1: Yeah, and in, in Derek Culver's defense, he just sort of went out. I mean, how many times – how many games were we texting each other and you just realized Derek Culver had a double-double? And it was like he was just – you know, doing his right. thing, grinding it out, getting rebounds, p- making putbacks, stuff like that. And suddenly he'd have, you know, 12 and 10 or something. And it felt like, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't even really
2: you know, I, doing I think anything flashy. I Again, I would say, I would argue that maybe sophomore season for both of those guys was their pinnacle of their college careers. Um, and that's kind of odd to see. Maybe um, some of what, you know, Deuce was thinking, you know, I'll finish my sophomore career. Maybe things get worse. I don't know, but um, it's just interesting. I, I would have gone Sags,
3: and, and we took we did not take the guy who was first team All Big Twelve in his junior year. So mm-hmm. that I mean, both good guys, different right. players.
2: Okay, last one, Josh. Okay, this is a basketball themed one again. Uh, we're gonna rename the Coliseum. Okay, Tudor's Biscuit Basket. Or the Country Club Bakery Oven. What are you calling it?
3: <laughs> this is you've saved the toughest for last. Um, so Country Club Bakery. I had the pepperoni roll finally this year at Country Club Bakery. It was delightful. It was delightful, Scoot. It's a different, it's a different pepperoni roll than what I've had in the past. Definitely different. yummy. But if you can get tutors on the name. <laughs> coliseum am i right and you're saying biscuit basket and somebody's saying we're going to now to the biscuit basket that's that's just i love that idea in my head and we're live biscuit basket and they may not even leave the t- they may leave tutors out and tutors would be upset because they paid for the rights sure. to- yeah sure. i just want people to say biscuit basket and so I'm going with
1: Tutors. Scoot, I think you gotta go Tudors' biscuit basket too, but then that means Tutors has to then start providing concessions at the sure. biscuit basket. Get right? you a Ron. I mean, it's like a pack it's Get like you a, a dotty. You're
2: gonna have a dotty at the at the big
1: game tonight? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like you gotta do that, right? It's gotta be available. I, I'm also going Tutor's biscuit basket.
0: I feel like I've been put in a very uncomfortable <laughs> situation here. I- uh, um, just because I'm friends with the owner of Country Club Bakery, and that's uh, my hometown, uh, so I'm gonna have. To, I mean, yes, Tudor's biscuit basket sounds amazing. Like it's an amazing turf. Guido, Defend the turf. It's made, but but I have to go with Country Club Bakery. I mean, because
2: it is. I mean, it's it's, it's it's a better option than calling it the Pokey Dot or something like that. We could have called it the Pokey Dot, which would have been ridiculous as well but uh i of course Muriel's
0: Muriel spaghetti bowl yes that's what you're gonna call it yeah. uh i of
2: <laughs> course would go tudor's biscuit basket um one i think i like biscuits better than pepperoni rolls oh that's a uh, that's a ooh, conversation ooh, for that's another a, that's a rough cake Josh. Uh, that's
1: a show to be honest with you yeah.
2: two i believe tudor's has a wider assortment of uh things to eat so I think the concessions idea would be great because you're not just getting pepperoni rolls. You're getting all kinds of things. We would argue that what else do you need in uh, some cases? I mean, I get I mean, that. Um,
0: I mean, I went to a basketball game uh, two years ago with Johnson. I think he had like four pepperoni rolls and a Diet Coke. Like uh, delicious.
3: And, you can, and Tudor's doesn't have the peppy, which is pepperoni in the biscuit sandwich. Yeah. So they, they you cover could that get base. that – my concern with the biscuit basket from the stadium experience is that my fear is you'd get your Tutors biscuit and they'd give you just like a Tutors like one napkin oh. and so that'd be like a that'd be a limiting on napkins Butter. That's the yeah. Imagine
0: Imagine having to be the cleanup crew in yeah. the amount of like biscuit crumbs that would be all rough. over the
1: floor yes, That's in a the, good point Coliseum That's
0: a solid point I don't know.
1: Your
3: mountaineer know. biscuit that's like four inches high, and here's one napkin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. have a great day. And everyone's
0: just like,
3: quit they're... being stingy with the napkins.
0: <laughs> uh, oh well, thanks, Scoop for having that. Uh, we always appreciate a pick your ears uh, on our show here. And guys, don't forget check out Josh's show, Unreasonable Doubt, a podcast about WVU basketball. Josh, I heard you have some awesome guests on this week too.
3: I do. There's these guys that's in various states that meet online on a, on a fairly regular basis. Not as much regular in the offseason. And I've got the got your ears on guys. So yeah. check out this week's episode. We're going to pick our foxhole team, snake draft style from current and former WVU basketball players. So definitely check that out. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, we laugh a lot. <laughs>
0: that's true that's true yeah check it out uh, Unreasonable Doubt un- available on wherever you can find podcasts uh, Apple and Spotify and CastBox so uh, don't forget check out Josh's show. Josh thank you so much for, uh, for coming on we always love talking to you
3: guys it's always a pleasure thank you
0: Yeah, guys, it was great talking with Josh, as always. We loved being on his podcast this week, and, and Scoot loves asking random questions. You really set Josh on his heels this week, Scoot.
2: I like to keep him on his toes. I think sometimes <laughs> he gets a little too relaxed having a show by himself. Uh, he you know, doesn't have anyone to kind of throw him off, uh, other than maybe some kind of background sound that might startle him so i thought josh is ready though i thought i would uh try to startle him a little bit he's
0: quick thinking though he's he did well he's quick he's fast he's fast so uh thanks thanks josh for for being on the show guys we're gonna uh we're gonna take a break we'll be back with another show here in a couple of weeks uh preparing for football season and guess what I i have big news once we're back on the next show we're back to weekly so we come back in two weeks we do a show, and we're back to being back every week. This whole summer break stuff we've been doing, it's over because football season starts. And so we'll do our football preseason preview. We'll pick our games that, in that show. And That'll be exciting. Football will be played this month. Football will be played. I'm excited, guys. I i tell you. I mean, we'll talk about it next show. I'm high on this team. We'll see how preseason practices are. I got my Jared Dagey jersey on order, Scoot. Okay. Okay. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Uh, Well, thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget, you can find us online. Look for us on Instagram and Twitter at Got Your Ears On and Facebook. Just search Got Your Ears And don't forget, check out our website, gotyourearson.com. Johnson, it's like the hub of everything and Got Your Ears On world. Yeah, it is. So we post each show there on the site
1: in blog form, and we tag uh, all the show notes we talked about, probably even stuff we didn't, uh, with all the uh, links if you'd like to check it out. You can also click through to our merch store and shop for for some cool merch, maybe a pullover guy shirt uh, to benefit that fund. And uh, we also post the latest show, the tune in link for it right on the page. So you can listen right on the
0: page. So check it out. Yeah, check it out. Gotyourearson.com. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back next week. You've been listening to Got Your Ears On.